July 16, 1995 was the day that in a small garage in a rented house, Jeff Bezos began his online bookseller business, Amazon. This was the day that began the starting point of what would eventually lead to one of the biggest American multinational technology companies that has impacted and changed the world as we know it. So it really was a decision that I had to make for myself. And the framework I found, which made the decision incredibly easy, was what I called, which only a nerd would call, a regret minimization framework. So I wanted to project myself forward to age 80 and say, okay, now I'm looking back on my life. I want to have minimized the number of regrets I have. And you know, uh, I knew that when I was 80, I was not going to regret having tried this. I was not going to regret having wanted, you know, trying to participate in this thing called the internet that I thought was going to be a really big deal. I knew that if I failed, I wouldn't regret that. But I knew the one thing I might regret is not ever having tried. And I knew that that would haunt me every day. Um, and so when I thought about it that way, it was an incredibly easy decision. Uh, and I think that's a very good, it's, it's, if you can project yourself out to age 80 and sort of think, what will I think at that time? It gets you away from some of the daily pieces of confusion. You know, I left uh, this Wall Street firm in the middle of the year. When you do that, you walk away from your annual bonus. If that's the kind of thing, then the short term can confuse you. But if you think about the long term, uh, then you can really make good life decisions that you won't regret later. Most regrets, by the way, are acts of uh, omission and not commission. Jeff originally was at a good job with stable pay and yearly bonuses. He didn't have to risk it all, but he realized quickly that there were trends that were constantly popping up explaining how big the internet was going to be. He is now worth over $122.3 billion and is living proof that if you believe in yourself, you can win. If we were to learn from Jeff's success, what trail of clues would there be? What did he do to separate himself from other entrepreneurs and skyrocket himself into ventures beyond our wildest dreams? Here are some insights into how and why Jeff Bezos has become successful. When planning a business like this, I think to sort of look at what is the brand promise that you're going to make to customers. And the brand promise that you make has to actually coincide very, very closely with the things that you can deliver. And in our case, that led to the name of, of Amazon.com. It's uh, basically Earth's biggest river, Earth's biggest bookstore. And we wanted to use this large selection to be able to build an authoritative store. Uh, authoritative uh, means a few things. Authoritative selection, authoritative prices, and authoritative information about books so that you can make a purchase decision. And the internet allowed us to do all those things. We could have more selection, we could also have lower prices because we don't have to have retail real estate in high traffic areas that's very expensive. Inventorying books in those spaces is very expensive. We get to inventory our books in very low cost uh, warehouse space. It's also possible to have more information online about products than you could ever have in a physical shopping environment. So you can really build an authoritative store. One of the biggest things to remember in business is what you are bringing to the table. What is the promise you are dedicating your brand to? What is it that you bring potential customers that no other business can provide? As Jeff explains, being able to follow through on what you promise and not overextending or underextending yourself has a massive impact on whether or not your business is successful. 
One of the things that everybody should realize, and that is probably the single most important factor, is that any startup company that turns into a substantial company over the years never lose track of the fact that there was a lot of luck involved in that. So, you know, there are a lot of entrepreneurs, there are a lot of people who are very smart, very hardworking, very few ever have, you know, the planetary alignment that leads to a tiny little company growing into something substantial. Um, so that requires not only a lot of planning, a lot of hard work, a big team of people who are all dedicated, but it also requires that not only the planets align, but that you, know, you get a few galaxies in there aligning too. And uh, that's certainly what happened to us. You know, our timing was good. Our, uh, our choice of product categories, uh, books, was a very good choice. And we did a lot of analysis on that to, uh, to pick that category as the first best category uh, for e-commerce online. But there were no guarantees that that was a good category. Um, at the time we launched this business, it wasn't even crystal clear that the technology would improve fast enough that ordinary uh, people, you know, non-computer people, would even want to bother with this technology. So that was good luck. Um, so there are a whole bunch of things that have to sort of align to make it work. Hard work plays a role in creating a business, but one of the most underrated factors in a startup success is luck. Being able to hit the market with a successful business at the right time, with the right products, and with a carefully thought out business strategy is a step in the right direction to help your business thrive and succeed. If you want to be an entrepreneur, the most important thing is to be customer obsessed. So don't satisfy your customers. Figure out how to absolutely delight them. That is the number one thing, whoever your customers are. Passion, you have got to have some passion for the arena that you're going to uh, develop and work in. Because otherwise you're gonna be competing against people who do have compassion for that and they're gonna build better products and services. You can't be a mercenary, you have to be a missionary. Missionaries build better products and services, they always win. The mercenaries are just trying to make money and paradoxically, the missionaries always end up making more money. You have to pick something that you actually have a genuine passion for. You have to take risk. You have to be willing to take risk. If you aren't gonna take risk, if you come up with a business idea, there's, there's no risk there, you're probably, you know, it's probably already being done. Those ideas are already being done. They're being done well by many, many people. So you gotta have something that might not work. And so you have to accept that your business is going to be in many ways an experiment and it might fail. And that's okay, that's what risk is. The good news is at Amazon, we still take risks all the time and we encourage it and we talk about failure. We should be failing. Our failures have to grow with the company. We need big failures if we're gonna be moving the needle. We need to have you know billion dollar scale failures. And if we're not, we're not swinging, we're not swinging hard enough. As Jeff puts it, being customer obsessed, having passion about your business, and being able to take risks are some of the most important ways that a business can be successful. If your customer is happy, they are more likely to become repeat customers and spread the word about your business. If you are passionate about what you do, it will show in your everyday practice. 
If you can take risks, you are able to push outside of your comfort zone and either grow your business tremendously or take the failure as an opportunity to grow and learn. Do you ever have trouble winning support for any of your ideas? The answer is yes. You know, I have to, if I have a new idea that I am in love with and I want to see it pursued, I do have to build support for it, just like anybody would, because you need very smart people to embrace the idea and move it forward. We have a framework in Amazon, it's one of our leadership principles, it's called disagree and commit. And that is extremely useful. Um, because after you've discussed an idea, you do need to make a decision and move forward and people, the whole team needs to really commit to that. When I really feel strongly about something and the team disagrees with me, I have a phrase that I like to use, which is helpful, which is, I want you to gamble with me on this. It's very different from, from phrasing that in a different way because the truth is when you're in a position like that where nobody knows what the right answer is, you're not saying I'm right on this, you're saying I want you to gamble with me on this because I don't know if it's right either. I disagree with it all the time and I promise the people when I do it, I very clear, I don't agree with this, I think it's probably not going to work, um, but I will never say I told you so and I'm going to be on your team. I will do everything I can to make it work. Being able to support new ideas, even if you disagree with them, is an essential way to build trust between you and your team. Jeff talks about his disagree and commit policy as a way for people to openly discuss new ideas and new risks they believe could be beneficial to the company. Providing a safe environment where people can openly voice ideas and opinions is essential in creating a successful and thriving business practice. Jeff Bezos is now using his massive fortune to donate to multiple philanthropic projects, including his own climate change nonprofit, the Bezos Earth Fund. In total, Jeff has donated over $2.4 billion to multiple charities that he believes strongly in. He understands that with great power comes great responsibility, and without his success and his customers, he wouldn't be in the position he is today. What was your favorite moment in the video? Let us know in the comments below and make sure to like and subscribe for new videos. You guys will find that you have passions and having a passion is a gift. I think we all have passions and you don't get to uh, choose them, they pick you, but you have to be alert to them. You have to be looking for them. And when you find your passion, it's a fantastic gift for you because it gives you direction, it gives you purpose. Uh, you can have a job or you can have a career or you can have a calling and the best thing is to have a calling and if you find your passion, you'll have that. And, all your work won't feel like work to you. Many, many kids and many grown-ups do figure out uh, over time what their passions are. And sometimes we let our, I don't think it's that hard. I think what happens though sometimes is that we let our intellectual selves overrule those passions. Uh, and so that's what needs to be guarded against. My job, one of my jobs as the leader of Amazon is to encourage people to be bold. 
and people love to focus on things that aren't yet working. Um, and that's good, it's human nature, that kind of divine discontent can be very helpful. But uh, you really, you know, it's incredibly hard to get people to take bold bets, and you need to encourage that. And if you're gonna take bold bets, they're gonna be experiments, and if they're experiments, you don't know ahead of time whether they're gonna work. Uh, experiments uh, are, by their very nature, uh, prone to failure, but big successes, a few big successes, compensate for dozens and dozens of things that didn't work. So, you know, bold bets, AWS, Kindle, Amazon Prime, our third-party seller business, all of those things are examples of bold bets that, uh, that, that did work, and they pay for a lot of experiments. I've made billions of dollars of failures at Amazon.com, literally billions of dollars of failures. And, uh, uh, you know, you might remember Pets.com or Cosmo or, you know, you know, give myself a root canal with no anesthesia very easily. Uh, none of those things are fun, but they, but they also, they don't matter. What really matters is companies that don't continue to experiment, companies that don't embrace failure, they eventually get in a desperate position where they, the only thing they can do is make a kind of Hail Mary bet at the very end of their corporate existence. Whereas companies that are, you know, uh, making bets all along, even, you know, big bets, but not bet the company bets. I don't, I don't believe in bet the company bets. That's when you're desperate. That's, that's the last thing you can do. It's not, you could be out of work and be, have terrible work-life balance. You know, even though you've got all the time in the world, you, right. you could just feel like, oh my God, you know, I'm miserable and you would be draining energy. And so you have to find that harmony. It's a much better word. And I think for most people, it's about meaning. People want to know that they're doing something interesting and useful. And for us, you know, because of the challenges that we have chosen for ourselves, uh, we get to work in the future, and it's super fun to work in the future for the right kind of person. You need to be um, if you, nimble and robust, so you need to be able to take a punch, uh, and you also need to be quick and, 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 and innovative and, and doing new things at a high speed. That's, that's the best defense against the future, and you have to always be leaning into the future. If you're if you're leaning away from the future, the future is going to win every time. Never, ever, ever lean away from the future. It, we all have adversity in our lives. You, you, I, 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 would, I, would, I doubt if you really, you know, if you know somebody, any friend or anybody that you talk to, um, uh, there's no lack of adversity. And, the, uh, and by the way, that's good because it's what teaches us how to get back up. You fall down, you get back up. It always happens. And uh, you know you get certain um, gifts in life, and you want to take advantage of those. Um, uh, but you, I guess, my advice on adversity and uh, success would be to be proud not of your gifts, but of your hard work and your choices. So you know you may be the kinds of gifts you get in life. You know you might be really good at math. It might be really easy for you. That's a kind of gift. Um, but practicing that math and taking it to the next step, that could be very challenging and hard um, and take a lot of sweat. That's a choice. You can't really be proud of your gifts because they were given to you. Um, you can be grateful for them and thankful for them. Um, and, but your choices 
you choose to work hard, um, you choose to do hard things, those are choices that you can be proud of. Being an inventor requires, because the world is so complicated, you have to be a domain expert. I mean, in a way, even if, even if you're not at the beginning, you have to learn, 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 learn enough so that you become a domain expert. But the danger is once you become a domain expert, you can be trapped by that knowledge. And so inventors have this paradoxical ability to have that, you know, 10,000 hours of practice and be a real domain expert and have that beginner's mind. Have that, that look at it freshly, even though they know so much about the domain. And that's the key um, to, to inventing. You have to have both. And I think that is intentional. I think all of us have that inside of us and we can all do it, but you have to be intentional about it. You have to say, yeah, I am gonna become an expert and I'm gonna keep my beginner's mind. You can't skip steps. You have to put one foot in front of the other. Things take time. Uh, you, there are no shortcuts. And, uh, but, uh, but you wanna do those steps with you know, passion and ferocity. It's easy to have ideas. It's very hard to turn an idea into a successful product. There are a lot of steps in between, and it takes persistence, relentlessness. So I always tell people who are, you know, who think they want to be entrepreneurs, it's you need a combination of stubborn relentlessness and flexibility, and you have to know when to be which. And basically, you need to be stubborn on your vision because otherwise it'll be too easy to give up. But you need to be very flexible on the details because as you go along pursuing your vision, you'll find that some of your preconceptions were wrong and you're gonna need to be able to change those things. So I think uh, taking an idea successfully all the way to the market and turning it into a real product that people care about and that really improves people's lives is a lot of hard work. Don't try to chase what is kind of the hot passion of the day. I think we actually saw this, I think you see it all over the place in many different contexts, but I think we saw it uh, in the internet world quite a bit, where you know, at the sort of peak of the uh, sort of internet uh, you know, mania in say 1999, you found people who were uh, you know, very passionate, so I mean, they kind of left that job and decided I'm going to, you know, do something in the internet because it's, you know, it was almost like the, you know, the 1849 gold rush in a way. I mean, you find that people, uh, if you go back and study the history of the 1849 gold rush, you find that, you know, uh, at that time everybody who was in was within the shouting distance of California was, you know, they might have been a doctor, but they quit being a doctor and they started panning for gold. And that, that almost never works. Um, and even if it does work. Uh, you know, according to some metric, financial success or whatever it might be, I suspect it leaves you ultimately unsatisfied. So you really need to be very clear with yourself. And I think one of the best ways to do that is this notion of projecting yourself forward to age 80, looking back on your life and trying to make sure you've minimized the number of regrets you have. That works for, that works for career decisions, it works for family decisions. Um, you know, do you want, I, I have a, a 14-month-old son, and it's very easy for me to, if I think about myself when I'm 80, I know I want to watch that little guy grow up. 
Um, and so it, it's, I don't want to be 80 and think, shoot, you know, I, I missed that whole thing and I don't have the kind of relationship with my son that I wished I had and so on and so on. So if you think about that, so I, I guess another thing that I would recommend to people is that they always take a long-term point of view. And I think this is something about which there's a lot of uh, controversy. You know, there's a, uh, there's a, you know, some, a lot of people, and I'm just not one of them, believe that you should live for the now. I think what you do is you think about the, 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 the great expanse of time ahead of you and try to make sure that you're planning for that in a way that's going to leave you ultimately satisfied. Um, so this is just my, this is the way it works for me. And I mean, this is, everybody needs to find that for themselves. Um, uh, so I think there are a lot of paths to satisfaction and you need to find one that works, works for you. People have very high standards how they want their work life to be. And I said, look, if you can get your work life to be where you enjoy half of it, that is amazing because very few people ever achieve that. Because the truth is everything comes with overhead. That's reality. Everything comes with pieces that you don't like. You could be a Supreme Court justice and there's still going to be pieces of your job you don't like. Every job comes with pieces you don't like. And we need to say, that's part of it. You have to figure out how to set up your life in such a way that you can minimize the things. And I find people don't dislike hard work. What people dislike is being um, out of control. Like they can't control their life. They can't control their environment. This happens to me when I get overscheduled. I hate being overscheduled. I want some time to be able to think and free myself. We all have the same amount of time in the world. Nobody has more time than anybody else. And when you become a very successful person, one of the things you start to get overscheduled. So a young person starting their career, I think there are probably a lot of things. Some of them are very well known and people have heard them many times, they're still true. One of those that you should always focus on, a young person should find something that they're passionate about to do. And that's not gonna surprise anyone. It's, it's a clear thing to do. It's very hard. If you don't love your work, you're never gonna be great at it. The other thing I would suggest to uh, any young person, uh, even before they start their career, is to really think about their choices. Because I find young people, and I, I, when I was young, I, had, I made this mistake too. You can get very fixed on your gifts. So everybody has gifts. You know, you, you have gifts and you have things that you didn't get gifted. Maybe you're extremely beautiful. Maybe you're extremely good at mathematics. Maybe you, there are a lot of things that you can be given. But those things can confuse you because they're not the things that construct your life. It's your choices that construct your life, not your gifts. You can celebrate your gifts. Be proud of them. Be happy of them. Actually, don't be proud of them. Be celebratory of them. But you can't be proud because they're gifts. They were given to you. You didn't earn them. You can only be proud of the things you earn. And so 
As I got older, I started to realize I wasn't proud of my gifts. I was always good at school. School was always easy for me. And I was always proud that I was a great student. I got A's in all my classes. I was good at math, all of that. And I thought, I thought that's who I was, but it's not true. Those are the things that are gifts. What was hard for me is deciding to work hard, deciding to use my gifts in certain ways, to challenge myself, to uh, do things that I didn't think I could do, to put myself in uncomfortable situations. We all get, I would say to a young person, you can choose a life of ease and comfort, or you can choose a life of service and adventure. Which one of those, when you're 90 years old, are you going to be more proud of? My advice would be the same for uh, any kind of entrepreneur, and that is make sure that you are focused on something you're passionate about. So if you look at the early internet companies, they were started and focused on doing something that they thought was very interesting long before the internet was fashionable in any way. Um, you know, I, I, you know, we are currently an underdog once again. We've been in business for six years and there was exactly one year where we were not the underdog and that was 1999. I like the, the underdog years because it makes, uh, you know, I liked it when all the people we hired, their parents told them they were crazy. Like that was the, that was kind of the good era. Fortunately, it's back. Um, in 1999, all the parents were like, you know, given their brothers and sisters high fives. You know, my son is working at amazon.com. So that's a very, uh, you can't follow the fashion when you're trying to do a startup company or I think really anything in life. But you have to, as an entrepreneur, if you're gonna, if you're gonna build a company, pick something you think is interesting that has the intersection of genuinely creating real customer value and then just stay right there and let the wave catch you. Whatever it is that you want to do, there's going to be risk in your life. And risk is a necessary component of progress. You can make any pioneering movements in the world of any kind, whether they be the geographical, physical exploration that I've just been talking about, or whether it be uh, you know, a more cerebral exploration of a scientific field. Or I bet you could ask that question of every speaker here, and I bet that every speaker here has taken substantial risks, uh, whether it be intellectual or otherwise, to achieve what they're, you know, what they've done. There's certain people that you do not want to try and beat at their own game, and certainly Jeff Bezos would be number one. I mean, that'd be like me playing chess with Bobby Fischer you know, 40 years ago to be all, all over on the first move. Uh, Jeff, you know, he's just shown amazing talent in figuring out how to please customers in a, in a very short time. And what's interesting to some extent about him, the same thing's interesting about Fred Smith of Federal Express. It isn't that they've had some breakthrough and, you know, found some molecule, <laughs> this or that, or, or come up with some you know, incredible invention. They've taken fairly ordinary things. I mean, starting buying books and, and, you know, but Fred Smith took the airplane and the delivery truck and the postal service, but then he just put it together in a very imaginative way, you know, with the central hub and all that, and, and came up with a whole new industry 
out of components that were known to everybody. And in, in a sense, Bezos has done the same thing. Now he's building big distribution centers and employing the latest technology. The Kindle came out of there and there's some products, but overwhelmingly, he's taken things that you and I were buying before and he's figured out a way to make us happier buying those products, either by fast delivery or prices or whatever it may be. And that's remarkable when you think about it. Entrepreneur, media proprietor, investor, and commercial astronaut, Jeff Bezos has become a household name and one of the most influential figures in the business world. Under his leadership, Amazon has become one of the largest and most successful companies in the world with a presence in nearly every industry imaginable. Coming from humble beginnings, Jeff began selling books on the internet from his garage to becoming one of the richest and most successful people on the planet, ingraining not only Amazon's name into everyday society, but his as well. Went to my boss and said to him, you know, I'm going to go do this crazy thing and I'm going to start this company selling books online. And he said, let's go on a walk. And we went on a two-hour walk in Central Park in New York City. And the conclusion of that was this, he said, you know, this actually sounds like a really good idea to me. But it sounds like it would be a better idea for somebody who didn't already have a good job. Uh, and he convinced me to think about it for 48 hours before making a final decision. And so I went away and was trying to find the right framework in which to make that kind of big decision. And, you know, I'd already talked to my wife about this and she was very supportive and said, look, you know, uh, you can count me in 100%. So it really was the decision that I had to make for myself. And the, and the framework I found, which made the decision incredibly easy, was what I called, which only a nerd would call, a regret minimization framework. So I wanted to project myself forward to age 80 and say, okay, now I'm looking back on my life. I want to have minimized the number of regrets I have. And you know, uh, I knew that when I was 80, I was not going to regret having tried this. I was not going to regret having wanted, you know, trying to participate in this thing called the internet that I thought was going to be a really big deal. I knew that if I failed, I wouldn't regret that. But I knew the one thing I might regret is not ever having tried. And I knew that that would haunt me every day so when I thought about it that way, it was an incredibly easy decision. If you can project yourself out to age 80 and sort of think, what will I think at that time? It gets you away from some of the daily pieces of confusion. You know, I left uh, this Wall Street firm in the middle of the year. When you do that, you walk away from your annual bonus. And that's the kind of thing that in the short term can confuse you. But if you think about the long term, uh, then you can really make good life decisions that you won't regret later. Jeff's keen eye and ability to look proactively toward the future while taking calculated risk has contributed to his success. His instincts told him the internet was going to bring massive opportunity for those willing to be creative. Despite doubt and criticism from those around him, he knew taking this leap of faith would be the best decision for not only himself, but for future generations as well. One of my jobs as the leader of Amazon is to encourage people to be bold. And people love to focus on things that aren't yet working. And that's good, it's human nature. That kind of divine discontent can be very helpful. But it's incredibly hard to get people to take bold bets. And you need to encourage that. And if you're gonna take bold bets, they're gonna be experiments. And if they're experiments, you don't know ahead of time whether they're gonna work. Uh, experiments uh, are by their very nature uh, prone to failure. But big successes, a few big successes 
compensate for dozens and dozens of things that didn't work. So, you know, Bold Bet's AWS, Kindle, Amazon Prime, our third-party seller business, all of those things are examples of Bold Bet's that, uh, that, that did work, and they pay for a lot of experiments. I've made billions of dollars of failures at Amazon.com, literally billions of dollars of failures. But they also, they don't matter. What really matters is companies that don't continue to experiment, companies that don't embrace failure, they eventually get in a desperate position where they, the only thing they can do is make a kind of Hail Mary bet at the very end of their corporate existence. Whereas companies that are making bets all along, even you know, big bets, but not bet the company bets. I don't, I don't believe in bet the company bets. That's when you're desperate. That's, that's the last thing you can do. You know, you don't choose your passions, your passions choose you. How, you, how they are formed, you're never completely sure, but I do think you get imprinted somehow early on with certain things, you just get excited about them, and because you're excited, you pay more attention, and they grow. Being an inventor requires, because the world is so complicated, you have to be a domain expert. I mean, in a way, even if, even if you're not at the beginning, you have to learn, 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 learn enough so that you become a domain expert. But the danger is, once you've become a domain expert, you can be trapped by that knowledge. And so inventors have this paradoxical ability to have that, you know, 10,000 hours of practice and be a real domain expert and have that beginner's mind. Have that, that look at it freshly, even though they know so much about the domain. And that's the key um, to, to inventing. You, you have to have both. And I think that is intentional. I think all of us have that inside of us and we can all do it, but you have to be intentional about it. You have to say, yeah, I am going to become an expert and I'm going to keep my beginner's mind. Well, long-term thinking is a lever. It lets you do things that you could not do um, or couldn't even conceive of doing if you were thinking short-term. You know, if, if, if I collaborated with somebody here in this audience and I said, look, I want you to solve world hunger and I want you to do it in five years, you would properly reject the opportunity. You would say, look, it's not possible, it's not practical. But if I said, look, I want you to solve world hunger in a hundred years, that's a job you'd take because it's a much more addressable problem. You can first create the conditions. You have time to create the conditions where then you can solve the problem. And so that's, that's a very important way of thinking and it works with everything. I mean, you have to back up and find the right time horizon for what you're trying to do, but you know, at Amazon, we probably do most of our things. We expect the, to get some results in sort of five, six, seven, eight years. But we find a lot of our other companies that compete against us in various ways, they're often trying to get things done in, you know, two or three years. And so we can do things that, you know, if, you, if, you, if everything has to work in two to three years, then that limits what you can do. If you give yourself the, the breathing room to say, okay, I'll, I, I'm okay if it takes seven years, all of a sudden you have way more opportunities. Take bets, be an expert with a beginner's mindset, and planning your goals in a long-term format are some of the secrets behind Bezos' success. Being able to constantly adapt and learn the growing market is essential to make your company, your brand, and your name go down in history. Jules Verne, Mark Twain, Galileo, Newton, all the curious from the ages would have wanted to be alive, most of all, right now. As a civilization, 
we will have so many gifts, just as you as individuals have so many individual gifts as you sit before me. How you use these gifts, and will you take pride in your gifts or pride in your choices? You can choose. We all get to choose our life stories, and um, it's the choices that define us, not our gifts. Everybody in this room has many gifts. Um, I have many gifts. You can never be proud of your gifts because they're gifts. They were given to you. You might be you know, tall, and, or you might be really good at math, or you might be extremely beautiful or handsome, or, you know, there, or there are many gifts, and you can only be proud really of your choices because those are the things that you are that you're that you are acting on and one of the most important choices that each of us has and you know this just as well as I do is um, you can choose a life of ease and comfort or you can choose a life of service and adventure and when you're 80 which one of those things you think you're going to be more proud of you're going to be more proud of having chosen a life of service and adventure Choose a life of adventure, a life worth looking back at in 80 years with no regrets. Create a story to tell and let the world be inspired by it.